let's jump in and talk about revival this morning. We're not done talking about it until we experience revival, and that's what we're praying for daily. Uh, somebody tell me who this is on the screen. Anybody know who this is right here? Who? Wrong. That's the Terminator. Thank you, the Terminator, all right? Now, what is the Terminator's most famous quote? I'll be back, right? Okay. Well, apparently not so, according to his beliefs. This past week it came out, an interview happened between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, who've been in a number of movies together. They've been in Hollywood, they've been best friends, they've lost a number of friends over the years, and it caused Danny DeVito to reflect with Arnold with Interview Magazine. And as they were spending time together, he asked the question, as they had been talking about all these friends who had died, Danny DeVito asked Arnold, well, what's in the future for us? Well, that's a good question. That's a deep question. That's not what you normally hear in Hollywood. Uh, but he asked Arnold, what is the future for us? The Terminator, Arnold, muscle man, this big old strong guy has much different beliefs because he's never apparently experienced the presence of God. Listen to what he said. This is a great question to answer. What is the future for you? What's the future for us? And his sad answer, his hopeless answer, is what he said in the interview. Listen to what he said. He said, well, that reminds me of Howard Stern. I won't use his accent, all right? I'm going to give it to you in my own, uh, uh, my own voice. It reminds me of Howard Stern's question to me. He said, tell me, Governor, what happens to us when we die? Another great question. He said, I said to him, nothing. Nothing happens. He said, you're just six foot underground. Anyone that tells you something else is a bleeping liar. I can't tell you what he actually said, but you get the point. You see, this former bodybuilder added that death is a topic he is very uncomfortable with. He also shared that heaven in his mind is a fantasy. When people talk about, I will see them again in heaven, it sounds so good, but the reality is that we won't see each other again after we're gone. That's the sad part. I know people feel comfortable with death, but I don't. Well, I wouldn't either if that's all I believe there was. This life then death, then six foot under. That's a hopeless view. That comes from a person who has lots of fame, has had lots of power, has lots of possessions, but has never experienced the presence of God. I don't say that to be cruel. I say it because I hurt for Arnold and other people who don't have a hope, who don't feel comfortable realizing there's more to life than this lifetime. The reason we're pursuing revival is because we can know Jesus. We, can we, we could have times in the past where we've experienced his presence and still experience times of hopelessness, much like those who have no hope. We also are praying for revival because there are people in this world who have no hope that need the Jesus that lives in you. And so daily, I hope you are praying for God to revive us. Daily, I hope you're praying and seeking his face and his strength. And each day, day after day, we are getting closer to revival. But I can also tell you that for some, day after day, you may be getting further away from revival. 
So how can we truly experience revival? There are some things we need to realize. Take your Bibles today, turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. The psalmist was experiencing difficulties in his soul. We looked at one last week as well. And he was transparent with God. He was struggling in his journey. He had taken wrong paths and wrong directions. And then he came to the realization, where can I go from your presence, God? Think about that. I mean, I know we think, apparently we think there are places we can go because we wouldn't go to the places we go if we didn't realize God is everywhere. We are taking God with us because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And yet we can find ourselves in places we should never go, places we should never be because we want to go there. And the psalmist said, I can't outrun your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, obviously you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. So the psalmist came to understand God's everywhere. God will never leave you nor forsake you. We looked at that last Sunday. So if that is true, if God is present everywhere, why aren't we experiencing his presence? When was the last time you experienced the presence of God? And as I look out in our land, as I look out on our culture, it is obvious that the majority of people on this planet, in this country, we'll just deal with our country, much less the world, very few people are living in the presence of a holy God. How do I know? Because there is no joy. That's why we need to be revived. Remember our verse from last week, Psalm 1611 says, in his presence we find the fullness of joy. We think we can find joy other places. We think other things can bring us joy, but what we come to find, the longer we live on this earth and the older we become, that joy doesn't come from things in this world. It's found in the presence of the one who created this world. But we fall into the lie that all humans have fallen into. We fall for a lie that says we need to live in comfort. That if I just have more comfort, I'll have more joy. We need to live in the pursuit of pleasure. If I just had more pleasure, I would find greater joy. We just need to live the good life, and that's what brings us joy. No, the Bible will teach us. Life will teach you. Only will you find joy in the presence of the Lord. Go back uh, to Psalm 139 and look at verse 9. Look at verse 9 now. The psalmist then says, Well, even if I take the wings of the dawn, or if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, he now draws analogies, trying to think of some place, anywhere you can go where God isn't. He's been to the heavens. He's been to Sheol. He says, anywhere on this earth, no matter where you go, he is there. Even if I go to the remotest part of the sea, you are there. Where nothing else seems to thrive or live, no matter where I go, God, you are there. Even then, so, so watch this, he said, no matter how far you go, no matter how deep you go, no matter how dark you go, God's still there. And look at the conclusion, verse 10, and even there, even at the deepest part of the sea, the darkest, most absent of light place on this globe, even there, God, your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. What was the psalmist saying? The psalmist was saying, it doesn't matter how dark life has gotten, 
It doesn't matter how far you feel like God is away from you or you've gotten away from God. God won't let you go. He will pursue you and he will still lead you and he will reach out with his right hand just like your mom and dad had to get a hold of you every once in a while when you were running from that spanking. You remember those days? And they had to reach out with that right arm and grab you by the collar. That's not so that they could bring you the wrath, although you probably got it. It was to keep you from going where you shouldn't be going. The psalmist said God does that in our lives. Even when we've left his presence, he will revive you again. What does that look like? Well, let's take verse 9 for a moment. Let's dig in on a case study. Let's see somebody who left the presence of God and see if we can learn from his mistakes so we don't make the same mistake. When you think of somebody who dwelt in the most remotest part of the sea, who comes to your mind? A guy named Jonah, maybe? Let's take a look at it. Go to Jonah chapter 1. Go find the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Jonah chapter 1 in verse 1. What we're going to do is we're going to see an example we're going to see the life of somebody who experienced the presence of God. This isn't like Arnold. Arnold apparently has never received the Lord into his life. He may have known about the Lord. He may have used the Lord's name in his movies, but he's never experienced the presence of God. Jonah has. Jonah was a prophet, and Jonah walked in the presence of God. Look at verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah because Jonah was in his presence. Jonah was talking with God and listening to God, and God spoke into his life. And God said, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come before me. Now, that may not sound like a big deal to you, but it was a big deal to Jonah. You see, Nineveh was the most disgusting place on the planet. There wasn't a more wicked people. There wasn't a more hated people. He hated the Ninevites. If you study history, you'll find that the Ninevites were a cruel people, a wicked people, who brought much suffering, death, and pillage to Jonah's people for generations. And they were hated, wicked people. And God now says to Jonah, Jonah, what I've given to you, I want, to, want you to take to those Ninevites. Jonah, in the presence of God, has a choice to make. You have a choice to make every day. Whether you're going to walk in his presence, whether you're going to listen to his word, and whether you're going to honor the Lord, or if you're going to do life your way. Every one of us in this room are a testimony of times when we do life our way, and we've been burned every single time. Why is it that we so easily run from the presence of the Lord? Look at verse 3. So Jonah rose up, packed his bags, and went to Nineveh. Is that what it says? No, it says he rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Isn't that fascinating? He didn't just turn his back and go in the wrong direction. He turned his back on the Lord and his presence. He had been there. He had been in the presence of God, and he decided, no, I'm going to live somewhere else. I'm going to do my way, not God's way. You ever been there? You may be there right now. You may be struggling with it in this very moment. And here is Jonah starting in verse 1 in the presence of God. How do we know he's in the presence of God? Look at it again. He heard the word of the Lord. 
He was in his presence, and as you spend time in God's presence, God speaks to you. I've told you this before, I want to say it again, listen to me. You can read the Bible and still not be in his presence. How do I know that? The Pharisees did it every day. They read the Bible, they memorized the Bible, they could quote the Bible, but they were reading a book. When you're in the Word of God, that is God's love letter to you. That is God speaking to you, and you need to not just read the book, you need to let God's presence be with you and just let God speak His truth into your life. That's a whole different way of reading the Bible. The Word of the Lord came to him, God spoke to him, God gave him direction. God will give you direction if you'll spend time in His presence. He'll lead you and He will guide you. He will lead you in the path that brings joy, but we so easily run in the opposite direction. Look at verse 3. Look at the rest of it. So he rose up to flee the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa. He found a ship which was going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. There it is again. That phrase, the presence of the Lord. Jonah chose a different direction today when you got up you made a choice now you may think you made a choice to come to church I pray that your choice was bigger than that I hope that your choice was I want to come and I want to grow in the Lord I want to to be with other believers and I want to be challenged in my faith I want to grow in my faith and I want to worship God I make that choice his presence Other days we wake up and we choose other things. We talked about that last Sunday. And I want you to see what happens when you choose to live outside the presence of the Lord. Jonah willfully said, I'm done with the presence of God. I'm going to go in another direction. Have you made that choice recently? Are you living in his presence? I'm not talking about a communal little rabbi thing hanging out in the cliffs and caves. I'm talking about are you... Are you experiencing God in your life daily? Are you honoring his will and his word in your life? Or are you going in the wrong direction? I want you to know that if you leave the presence of God, look what happens. You do some really foolish things. Jonah, it says, decided he was going to take a cruise. He was going to go get on a cruise ship and he was just going to get away from it all. Just sail off into the sunset. He was done serving God. He was done being a prophet. It was no longer fun. It was no longer convenient. And he's just going to go cruising. Wouldn't you like to be on a cruise right now? Doesn't that sound good? Post-COVID, obviously. Wasn't a real good idea a few years ago. But right now, wouldn't you love to be on a cruise? Sailing off in the sunset, right? Watch this. Did you know that cruises don't come for free? Take a look at it. It says Jonah had to pay the fare. I want you to understand, you've heard it said a million times, there's a cute little preacher phrase out there, sin will take you further than you thought you would ever go, it'll make you pay more than you thought you'd ever pay, it'll make you stay longer than you thought you would ever stay, that's exactly what happens with life outside the presence of God. It will look good, it will look like smooth sailing, it looks like fun, it looks like that'll bring you joy, but there's a price to be paid living outside the presence of God. So... Jonah pays the price, he gets on the cruise ship, and he goes cruising. He tried to find joy outside of God's will and God's presence. He tried to live differently than God's word had directed him. And every one of us in this room have struggled with what I call cruisitis. 
Cruzitis is what he had. He had cruzitis. Cruzitis is, is I'm going to do something else other than what God's word says. I'm going to live out here where I want to live, what looks fun and what seems enjoyable, not what God's word directs me to do. It's called cruzitis. And so he went cruising, thinking he would find joy, because he sure wasn't going to find it in Nineveh. Verse 4, take a look at verse 4. So the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. This wasn't just rough water. This was enough to literally start seeing the ship breaking into pieces. The seasoned sailors on the ship became afraid. You know it's a bad storm when the seasoned sailors are afraid. Well, you don't have to be a seasoned sailor. Frankly, I get on any boat, I automatically get afraid. I always hear the Jaws music in the background. Anybody else like that? Doesn't matter if it's a pond, a lake. I watched Jaws when I was sixth grade, and I'm convinced underneath me there is a shark waiting to eat all of this meat, a lifetime supply right here in me. And I hear that music, and I hear it going. They're in the middle of the darkest storm, the deepest sea, and their boat's falling apart. Yeah, they were afraid. And look at what they did. They didn't start rowing harder. They got spiritual all of a sudden. Isn't that amazing? Not so amazing. We do the same thing. When is it that we get real spiritual? When our life's falling apart? When things aren't going the way we think they should go? And here's the funny thing. What we tend to do when things don't go our way and our boat's falling apart is we seem to blame God. Well, God, you're not a very good cruise director. Uh, you cruised me right into the storm. No, you took the ship. You sailed in the storm. That's on you, Bubba. Don't put that on God. But these guys didn't blame God. They cried out to their gods, little G's. What that tells us is these weren't believers. These were Arnold Schwarzeneggers. These were guys who were strong, seasoned sailors who lived a lot of life on the sea, but they had no God of their spirit. They had gods. They had deities, gods that they had made up, and they're crying out to these gods and the gods weren't answering. Well, the false gods of this world will never answer. The cruise ship will never answer. And so look at what they do next. They begin to throw their cargo over. The very thing that was going to bring them wealth, the very things they were sailing across the sea to sell for high profits so they could have lots of money and have more things, now were no longer so valuable. And so they start throwing them out so this ship could be lighter and hopefully survive this monstrous storm. But Jonah. But Jonah, but Bill, but you. Look at Jonah. What's Jonah doing? But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down, and fallen sound asleep. Wow. This is where Jonah has found himself. Even in the worst hurricane or storm, the whole ship is falling apart. Life is about to be lost, and he's just sleeping through it. That shows you how comfortable he had gotten outside the presence of God. He was sleeping like a... No, have you ever known a baby to sleep yet? Has anybody had a baby, a sleeping baby? No, I don't know why we say it, but that's what he was sleeping like. He was sound asleep. Let me say this to you today. This world has fallen apart. Our country 
is falling apart. I'm not here to be negative. I'm here to be honest. Things are falling apart. And the sad thing is, we are becoming a generation of Jonas. We're okay because we got our Jesus. We got a relationship with the Lord. And even if we die, we're going to heaven. We're okay. We're sleeping through it. And those who don't have Jesus, those who don't have a God, they are afraid and perishing, and they need the God that lives in you. We're sleeping on it. We're sleeping on them. And so Paul says, how do you, how do you experience the presence of God? Let me show you a simple thing that Paul preached. Romans chapter 13, turn there. Romans 13 and verse 11. The first thing to experience the Lord when you're outside of his presence is you've got to wake up. You've got to wake up. What does that mean? Let's take a look. Look at what Paul said. He said, do this, do this, do this, knowing that it is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. The night is almost gone. The day is near. He's talking about the end of time, the end of human history, the Lord returning back. That time is drawing nearer and nearer, day after day, awake from your sleep. Who needs to wake up? Paul's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. And he tells them, wake up from your sleep, just like Jonah. Verse 12, for the night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness. He says, you can't experience the presence of God and get saved and become a new person in Christ and then, like Jonah, say, okay, thank you, Lord, for my salvation, but I'm going to live how I want to live. I'm going to do what I want to do and live over here in the land of dark things. Those would be things outside of his presence. For in the presence of the Lord, you find light. Outside the presence, you have darkness, the absence of light. And Paul said, repent. Wake up. Realize where you are and realize where you need to be. Realize that this is dark and it's outside of his presence and return back to the presence of the Lord. Awake from your sleep. He said, do this. So right now, turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. Give him a jab right now. Help him. Help him right now. I want to I get the slobber one. Who's got a drooler next to him? Anybody got one of the droolers out there? Wake him up. Tell him, get up. That's the first step. Uh, he goes on because he had a stubborn audience that didn't want to listen. Ephesians 5, Paul preaches it again. Go to Ephesians 5 quickly and look at verse 14. Ephesians 5, verse 14. For this reason, it says, awake, sleeper. Don't blame that on the preacher. That wasn't my fault just a moment ago that you needed an elbow. We need to wake up. And Paul says to the church in Ephesus, just like he wrote in the book of Romans, awake, sleeper. That word sleeper is an interesting word. It doesn't mean somebody who got bored with the sermon and just dozed off. It doesn't mean somebody who was up way too late last night or was too much energy at crazy summer nights and they're just tired early on Sunday morning. That's not the sleeper we're talking about here. That word actually in the root word of the Greek literally means, the root word of this word means to fall from a higher plane to a lower plane. It means that instead of living in the presence of God, the higher plane, we settle for a lower plane. We settle to live here away from the presence of God. We're asleep at the wheel. And Paul said you need to wake up. 
You need to wake up to what's going on. There's no joy in your journey because you're over here instead of over here. Instead of living in his presence, we're living in the things of this world. So he says, and then when you wake up, arise from the dead. He said, well, I'm not a dead man. Well, the Bible says this word for dead here means lacking life. If we were in the presence of God daily, we, the body of Christ, we would find joy in our lives. We would be so full of joy, it would radiate from our lives in such a way that everyone outside of his presence would want into where we are living. But I don't blame people for not wanting to wake up and come to church early on a Sunday morning and sleep in. But I want to be where God is. I want to live in his presence. That's where you find the fullness of joy. So God needs to bring revival into our hearts. And that comes when we wake up and when we pursue his presence. Verse 15. So be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. See, when we wake up, we realize we've walked away from God. When we wake up, we realize that joy is found in the presence of God, and we start walking according to his word and his will. Verse 16, be sure to make the most of your time, because these days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Jonah knew what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord for him was to go to Nineveh. But you know what he did? He said, I know that's your will, Lord. I know that's your desire, but I'm not willing to go there. God has spoken to you through his word. He has shown you his will. It's there every single day. you got a choice to make. Are you going to honor his will, or is it going to be your will? You'll never know revival. You'll never know joy living in the center of your will. Jonah learned it. Paul preached about it. We're learning it. So go back to Jonah. Let's see the end of the story very quickly. Jonah chapter 1, verse 6. Remember, we left Jonah sleeping in the bottom of the boat. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up. Call on your God. Isn't that amazing? That the men on this boat were more spiritual than Jonah. They were more hungry to experience God than the prophet of God. And they called out to Jonah and they said, you got to wake up. you got to help us. You have something, only you have what we need. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us and we will not perish. Jonah was sleeping when he should have been caring about the others around him. He should have been sharing with them who Jesus was. He should have been in Nineveh. He shouldn't have been out to sea. He should have been at Nineveh sharing with people that they could have a repentant life that leads to abundant life and the joy in the presence of a Savior. Let's read the rest of the story, verse 10. So then the the men became extremely frightened and they said to him, they said to Jonah, how could you do this? What an indictment. But all of a sudden, they looked in Jonah's life, a guy that was sick with cruzitis, a guy who was not living in the will of God, but was suffering from cruzitis. And they said, your disease has come upon us. Why 
could you do this? How could you do this? He became a stumbling block. And every time we live outside the will of God, we will be a stumbling block to those who need the life that we have in Jesus. And sometimes we think, well, you know, I just want to go on a cruise. I just want to do what I want to do. It's not going to hurt anybody. Yeah, it is. One, it's going to destroy you. Your ship is going to fall apart. But not only that, when you live outside the presence of God, it doesn't only impact you. It impacts everybody in your boat. It impacts your marriage if you're married. It impacts your future marriage, young people, someday, the stuff you take into that marriage. It impacts your children, mom and dad. It impacts your grandchildren, grandpa. It impacts your church. It impacts your city. It impacts generations. And Jonah was selfish enough to go cruising. You know when we're not seeing revival? Because we're selfish enough to go cruising. We're about out of time. We are out of time. But let me give you this. Matthew 12, 30 says, you're either with me. Jesus said this. You're either with me or you're against me. He didn't create three categories. He didn't say you're either with me and you're living in my presence or you're against me or you're just cruising. He didn't give a cruise option. He said you're either for me or you're against me. You either gather people to the kingdom, people want to be where you are because they see joy in you and they see God in you. Or you leave his presence and you scatter people from the kingdom. Praise God for what happened last week. 185, 180 some odd kids went after him. That was awesome. Where are they this morning? Where are they going to be tomorrow morning? Moms and dads, where are we walking? Are we leading our families because we live in the presence of God? Or are we like Jonah, just cruising? 